Hey there, and welcome to What Was Your Favorite Part, a podcast about cinema and us. My name is Ian, and on this special holiday bonus episode of the show, we're going to be sitting down with my friend Ryan Healy to discuss one of his favorite films, It's a Wonderful Life. We'll also chat a little bit about some recently released films, The Fablemans and Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. I hope everyone out there is staying safe and warm during this holiday season, and that you enjoyed this special bonus episode of What Was Your Favorite Part? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, just excited to like finally uh, talk about movies with you. Um, it's been it's been a while. I haven't seen you since yeah, was it like September or something like that? Yeah, I believe it was um, our buddy Brandon's wedding that we were both. Yeah, in. yeah, uh, yeah, it was. Um, and uh, yeah, other than that, uh, I'm doing pretty good. Just um, just working uh, here at the happiest place on earth uh, during Christmas time, and um, and yeah, excited to uh quote unquote spread spread that magic around so let's yeah, do it well yeah no i'm really happy you agreed to be here uh, i think you're the first guest that i'm gonna have that i know irl in real life <laughs> and i was really excited to talk to you because you're one of the few people in my life that actually enjoys movies just as much as i do mm. um so i was hoping you could tell me and the listener because they don't really know you like i do a little bit about yourself who you work for because it's a little pernient <laughs> And also just a little bit about how you came to movies and why you fell in love with them in the first place. Sure. Um, yeah, uh, my name's Ryan. Uh, I like long walks on the beach, um, a good glass of whiskey. Uh, <laughs> no, um, yeah, but uh, on the real, uh, my name's Ryan. And um, yeah, kind of like, um, it's pretty pertinent. Um, I work for the Walt Disney Company at uh, Walt Disney World. Um, and before I talk anything about them, if any views and opinions are, are of my own, um, yeah, of I, yeah, um, I work, uh, on the parts and resort side, obviously. And it's a really fun time. I've always wanted to work for Disney and I grew up going to Disney. Um, I came from a Disney family, so, um, I knew eventually wanted to end up there and, uh, it's been, it's been nothing but hard to not hard to say but like yeah it's been nothing but magical and very rewarding experience um but yeah before then um like i got my degree in graphic design and uh hope to hope to use it one day yeah (laughs) nice um so that's a little bit about you i was hoping you could tell us a little bit about how you came to movies and why you fell in love with them in the first place and what your film journey has been like for you yeah um so how i got started with movies was I, I remember the first movie that I saw was uh, Monsters, Inc. in November 2001. Um, very, yeah, very young age. Um, I will say it's probably the movie that's been probably the most influential on me and changed my life in the way that I, like, saw what I wanted to do as a career. When I was younger, I wanted to be an animator and 
um, when I was younger, I just gravitated only toward like animated movies and uh, short films and not, I was more concerned with not the film itself, but like how they made the film. I remember I almost scratched up my DVD of Wally going behind the scenes of um, with like Ben Burt and what all he was doing with the sound design and Andrew Stanton, etc. Um, completely obsessed. And so growing up until maybe like my early teens, I wanted to do nothing but animation, but um, I give a lot of influence to my mom who one of the only channels that she watches is Turner classic movies. And she would introduce me to like, um, like Debbie Reynolds, John Wayne, uh, Jimmy Stewart, who we're going to talk about today. And um, that really opened my eyes. And not only that, I would watch the Oscars every year and that would, and that would uh, help me explore more film. And now I'm not saying that I abandoned animation because I, it's still a very impressive medium. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm more inclined to watch uh, other things. So I like, yeah, it. no, gotcha. I bet you're really excited about that Wally criterion that just came out recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't get it. Uh, I didn't get it on the Barnes and Noble 50% off. Um, yeah, there's a plug there <laughs> that, uh, I, <laughs> yeah, but I am, um, yeah, I'm very excited for that. Yeah. No, I got to snag that one next time as well. Um, yeah. So before we get into our feature discussion, as you mentioned, starring Jimmy Stewart, we're going to be talking about It's a Wonderful Life, which was your pick when you when I asked you to come on. Uh, we have the unique opportunity to discuss some recently seen films that are new releases because this episode is going to be dropping pretty quickly as our Christmas bonus. Sure. Um, so I was wondering, I saw that you logged Glass Onion during its one week theatrical release. I also saw Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery from Ryan Johnson during its one week theatrical release. Give me your initial impressions of that film. I think you were a little bit higher on it than I was. I think I was initially and don't get me wrong. I like, before we get into glass onion, I was a huge fan of knives out when it first came out. Um, my friends and I, we had an opportunity to go see it like at an early test screening in April of 2019. Uh, and then why? the movie was, why are all my guests able to get these early before everyone else screenings? Dime got to see Into the Spider-Verse before me you and did, everybody yeah. else. And then you get to see this. Okay, that's awesome. So how was that? <laughs> it was it was cool because it was um, it was a test screening. Uh, it was toward the end of production because it was going to be released in uh, November of um, that same year. And um, it was like a temp score. There was like a different opening, uh, a few different camera angles and a few different um, uh, editorial choices that um, that happened. But uh, it was it was really cool because they said you can't go on social media. You can't tell you really just can't tell anybody that you saw this today until it comes out in November. Um, so ever since then, I absolutely loved the series. And so um, initially I was a little hesitant with glass onion coming out because um because as you know that it got bought by netflix yeah and, yeah, um, yeah yeah and i'm like how much influence are they gonna have um i really didn't feel a whole lot of influence uh, on netflix's part with glass onion that it was just all ryan johnson like like write what you want go for it and yeah i i absolutely loved this movie but um, like before I go into the praises, 
you gotta admit it's pretty like kind of cookie cutter to the original glass onion or yeah, not the original glass onion yeah the original knives out <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah it's pretty cookie cutter where you can kind of see like who the quote-unquote killer is a mile away um yeah i will say that i was never ever in doubt i saw where he was attempting to subvert my expectation as to who the murderer was and yes should we should we do spoilers or should we keep it spoiler free let's do it spoiler free because All right, we'll keep it spoiler free it's, yeah it's not yeah. a huge wide release yet yeah so yeah good point um so yeah without giving anything away there was many attempts to subvert your expectations to who the killer was that might be a spoiler within itself but that depends on the viewer i think but i i always kind of saw where he was moving i i I was i was surprised by other things some plot beats and some framing devices which i thought were exciting and invigorating but the bones never really caught me off guard i kind of predicted where the thing was going to go the whole time and i think the i think my feelings there stand true for the commentary that the film was seeking to um have like the broader social critique that the film is seeking to have i feel like it kind of got it right away and the within the first 30 minutes and the the next two hours really didn't uh do anything to deepen it for me personally mm-hmm. yeah i i don't know i I'm not going to completely agree with you there because um, I will agree with like the bones were still there and it felt different than knives out. And that's like what I wanted it to, but, um, but I'm not going to lie. I really wasn't digging it like the first 30 minutes. Um, Cause especially with like sequels in the early two thousands, like, Oh, like, no, we're going to make it bigger. And also we're going to go someplace exotic and we're going to introduce you like all these like interesting new characters. Um, that's kind of what it felt like to me at the very beginning. And I was like, where are you going with this? Um, kind of like what you said, like you can see the killer coming a mile away, but I kind of don't mind it. If the stuff written in between is like, plausible and entertaining i'm i'm gonna have a good time with it um yeah that that being said i did shout out to god janelle monet oh my goodness phenomenal as soon as her thing happens my jaw hit the floor and i'm like ryan johnson you you can write whatever the heck you want like yeah you you do what you do yeah i i all my critiques aside i will say that in the week since i've seen it Hmm. my estimation of it has definitely grown fonder um, if anybody goes and finds my three-star letterbox review, they might uh, find spoilers, uh, but they'll yeah. also find that I was definitely mid on the film. I'm already mm. feeling myself coming around to some of its... Uh, I'm already feeling myself come around to some of the elements that did not work necessarily as well for me upon a first viewing, so I'm very excited to see it again once it drops on Netflix. Mm-hmm. But yes, I share your sentiments wholeheartedly. Janelle, Janelle Monet is yeah. wonderful. Uh, I've heard some mixed reviews on her performance, but for me, it was one of the things that worked the best. She was stellar. Her uh, her thing that you're referencing, which we won't give away, is completely bonkers and just exciting and Mm -hmm. fun to see play out. And I'll admit, uh, I I think my biggest problem with the film was the somewhat lack of Benoit Blanc, who. You can just see Daniel Craig 
chewing on the scenery, having the time of his life, super comfortable <laughs> in the character, loving oh, yeah. every second of it, happy to be done with James Bond. So mm. I think I think I think one of the things that I found uh, less exciting about it was a somewhat lack of him. I wanted more Benoit Blanc. I'll agree with that because he's such a fun. He was such a fun character to watch in Knives Out, um, and I guess maybe Ryan Johnson had the idea of like, yeah, I, I guess I've now created this iconic character. Let me give like the rest of the cast room to breathe, which, um, which I guess, um, can kind of create more character development for the side characters or not side characters per se, just like the rest of the cast. But however, I guarantee you we're not going to see that cat. Like we're not going to see those characters again. No. So yeah, they I'm get like, one let, movie. Everybody focus. but Daniel Craig gets one movie. It looks like exactly. Um, and I thought that was kind of an interesting choice to not have as much Benoit Blanc, but um, everything that he, every scene that he was in was yeah, top notch. Yeah, top notch, hundred uh, percent. Ten out of ten. Five out of five. Goes all the way to eleven. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, and, and I think the last thing I'll add and then I'll let you give your closing thoughts is that I wanted men, I wanted more Benoit Blanc, but also the way that he uses him is very similar to the way he uses him in Knives Out. He's not the focal point of Knives Out. It's Ana de Armas' character, and yep. he's literally just this... He's a supporting character that, like you said, happened to be a cultural phenomenon in an iconic character that Ryan happened to create. So... Yeah, I think it's I think it's par for the course with a knives out mystery that he's not again like the main character, even though he's featured more heavily in this film. I just would hang out with Daniel Craig's Southern Charm for hours on end. So oh, um yeah. that being said, in summation, wasn't super high on it initially. I'm coming around and I'm very excited to give it a second chance. So yeah, you can go ahead and close us out with your final thoughts on knives out a glass glass onion a knives out story (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i think like yeah i think you hit the nail right on the head um it's a film that i really really like i just really want to love it um but yeah um yeah give me more daniel craig southern like benoit blanc but also if you want more southern daniel craig go watch uh, logan lucky it's very oh. very underrated film logan lucky what a movie <laughs> yes that is God. that is one of the most slept upon gems i think i've ever come across i love that God, movie so underrated i yeah. love it yeah that is like steven spielberg <laughs> that is like steven soderbergh's like second best yeah. film in my opinion mm. and i count oceans 11 and 12 as one film that's a perfect yeah. duology. The last one I wanted to ask you about was I see that you have seen Steven Spielberg's The Fablements twice already. Mm. Yeah, uh, I'm probably gonna see it a th- <laughs> probably gonna see it a third time, and uh, I absolutely love it. Um, it's fighting with my favorite of the year, but right now nothing can beat Everything Everywhere All at Once uh, by Daniels, um, which we'll talk about um, in another time. But uh, The Fablemans was something I was really excited for because it's not only a deeply personal film to uh, Steven Spielberg, being it loosely based on his life, but it's also um, can be seen as a personal film to uh, filmmakers and film lovers, um, not only that, storytellers in general. And seeing 
kind of his upbringing kind of makes you appreciate the uh, director even more and also just the artist's journey of like where a lot of us um, have come with art and film um, and also like with Steven Spielberg being where he is now kind of like an example of where we want to be um, yeah I could I could talk hour I've watched I've listened to so many podcasts on this um, it's fen- phenomenal like you can't I can't say anything more it's so no. good yeah no I I'm very excited to see it I just purchased it on Apple uh, Apple movies so I'm very excited after this conversation that's what I'm gonna go do I'm gonna go watch the fable ends do it awesome. do it uh I cried I think twice um there because there's one scene I'm not gonna spoil it but um Michelle Williams uh, you deserve every reward like every everything that's coming to you 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 100% deserve absolutely phenomenal Paul Dano is great and also not gonna you probably know the cameo at the very end of the movie i've heard of it yes yeah um yeah like uh uh, i'll i'll spoil it uh it's it's david lynch playing john ford Mm -hmm. and steven spielberg he was in an interview with uh paul thomas anderson and he said yeah not gonna lie like what he says at the end of movie that that was said to me word for word by john ford and i'm like that's freaking insane yeah and then he look where he is yeah it's funny you mentioned that conversation with him and pt i'm gonna go listen to that as soon as i uh turn off the table <laughs> tonight because i saw that drop on the director's cut and i'm very excited to listen to two of my yeah. favorite filmmakers talk good good stuff about some hot awards contenders which uh we'll probably talk a little bit about after we talk about our feature film it's hmm. a wonderful life so without further ado i think we should get into it what do you think yeah yeah i'm down loosely based on dickens a christmas carol except our lead is not an old scrooge he's a good-looking george bailey played by jimmy stewart he spent his whole life being a good person and helping others at the sacrifice of his own personal goals and dreams incurring personal tragedy George comes to a bridge by the river one night, contemplating suicide. Until someone falls in the river, and George, being the mensch he is, jumps to the rescue. The poor soul turns out to be Clarence, George's guardian angel, and through this encounter, George will see what life would have been like for those in his life if he had never been born. What ensues is an exploration of American life and the impact that a simple act of kindness can have through the fantastical. Journey with us through It's a Wonderful Life. Boom. Thank you. Yeah. So something I found when I was like doing my preliminary research for this uh, episode is, you know, Frank Capra, he's making It's a Wonderful Life, but it's near Mm. the end of his career success. He'll have a couple more uh, movies. He'll have a few more movies, but uh, the success kind of ends with It's a Wonderful Life and not even does it. It doesn't even really end with It's a Wonderful Life. He had a budget of three point two million and the film needed to make 6.3 to even break even. And it was a financial disappointment, uh, not even really making back its budget. I don't think it did. I think it made like 1.8 to 2.8 million. Uh, But anyway, the financial disappointment and middle-of-the-road critical response convinced studios that Capra could no longer produce broad, popular entertainment. But 
eventually the copyright lapses on this film and it's released into the public domain and it mm. becomes a staple of Christmas uh, Christmas time cable programming. Uh, since then, it's been widely considered one of the greatest films of all time and among Capra's greats. So I was wondering, is this like the first uh, Frank Capra film you ever saw or were you aware of him before it? I was aware of Frank, of Frank Capra before. Um, he produced um like mr like not produce uh he directed like mr smith um mr smith goes washington uh forbidden and of course uh it happened one night with the great clark gable if you've ever seen it yes great Um, film yeah great film highly recommend it um those were the ones that i was aware of um but shocking love i came uh i came to those films after uh discovering uh, it's it's a wonderful life, and was it's a wonderful life one of those movies your mom would have showed you on TCM or like how did you come to it? I didn't really come about to it's a wonderful life until probably my uh, early teens. It was always on NBC on Christmas Eve while my family and I were opening gifts, and I didn't really pay attention to it. But as I got to my early to mid teens, I started to pay like more attention to film and my mom saw an interest in filming me and that's when she really made me sit down and watch it's it's a wonderful life after she asked me about it it's it's always like that simple question that we even ask anybody today like um have you seen this movie and as soon as they say no it's like what are you talking about like how come we haven't seen this movie like we have to watch it right now and so that's kind of what my mom did with me um just sat down and watched it's uh it's a wonderful life on christmas eve and i'm like holy crap like i moved to tears this is honestly one of the best movies i've seen so that's kind of how i've come about to it and it's it's definitely a uh a yearly viewing i was uh when we were chatting off mic you told me that uh you had like a list of films you might want to talk about you said that it's a list of films you believe everybody should see and so i was yeah. kind of wondering why is It's a Wonderful Life among films like Black Swan, Argo, and The Graduate? <laughs> Forgot I added Black Swan. Um, I think everybody should see it, but just be hesitant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, definitely It's a Wonderful Life because, first of all, it's not only just a great Christmas movie. I think you can, if you change the season in the film, it can simply just be just a great film it's not just a great christmas film it's a great film period but um if you change out the christmas season um it's it's still gonna tell a uh potent story but um yeah i agree with you it doesn't have to be christmas it could be any time that this takes place and it still works yes yeah exactly um i think it's a film that everybody should see because James Stewart's character, George Bailey, he he embodies somebody that we want to be, but also too afraid to be. Um, and what I mean by that is um, George Bailey, he, like, spoiler alert on everything, um, he ha- has, like, all these dreams and aspirations, like, you know, to travel, be an architect, make it big in the world, but but uh roadblocks at the um at the old building and loan keep uh <laughs> keep uh, uh keep him in bedford falls and um and uh most people 
like if you lived in that world would kind of see that as um as an outsider like you would kind of see that as a failure but um and maybe george and george himself sees that as a failure as well despite um as you see toward the end of the film he is the richest man in the world because um he has because he has a good job great friends and um just a loving family and i think that's all that anybody strives to have in this world but people are too afraid to become a man like george bailey because they see george bailey stuck um and is all and is too blind um is too blind to the world around him as to like what will truly make you happy um is kind of just like caught in this bubble and yeah that's that's really uh, the nitty-gritty you just you have to watch it just because of uh his story and somebody that we all want to be like yeah. Also, it's Jimmy Stewart, man. Jimmy Stewart made so many good movies. You gotta watch. You gotta watch his whole library. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's he's really fun to watch. He's got a very charismatic presence about him. Um, so you talk a little bit about how George Bailey embodies a certain kind of uh, everyman, and like everybody yeah. should be able to relate to him. I was wondering, do you relate to him in any kind of way? And like, any is there anything specific about George Bailey in which you see yourself in, or maybe you can learn something from? Oh, 100%. Um, I'm at a position in my life. Um, I I don't speak for the brand or the company of Disney. Uh, I'm happy, but also I know that I can be doing more and I want to be doing more. But um, but also I know that like I've got a family who loves me, a girlfriend who loves me. And uh, I, I know that I'm in a good place. There's really no rush for like me to do something else uh, unless I really wanted to. And he's, he's completely relatable uh, to that fact. Um, and also like everybody is like wanted to like peek behind the lens of like, Hey, like, no, if I wasn't born, what would happen if this happened? Like what would happen to um, like my current girlfriend? What would happen if I wasn't in this job um, and somebody else took that, etc. cetera. Um, we've all, we've all had that uh, fantasy yeah and yeah and yeah definitely yeah i think i think everybody kind of does wonder that at one point in their life when they're especially low um because i think i think that is probably i think you hit the nail on the head it's probably one of the most relatable aspects of the character and the film is like we've all been through ups and downs we've all had um whether it be actually suffering from depression or going through some kind of personal crisis I think we've all probably thought that or felt that way that he feels in that moment at the bridge. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What do you see this as like a story truly about, aside from the fact that it's obviously about a man who's going through a personal slash midlife crisis um, and kind of like wondering about the impact he's had on others? I kind of saw the film as like a message about kindness and doing the right thing and silver linings, etc., and I was kind of wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, first and foremost, I think you hit the nail right on the head that uh, it's about showing kindness um, and compassion for your uh, fellow man. And I think that's just nothing but a great example that we all need. And like, surprisingly, it did not need to go as deep as it did for the 40s. Um, yeah, I was really and... surprised about that. It's a very, it's a it's a surprisingly dark and 
nuanced look at um, mm-hmm. depression, sadness, and reflection for the 40s. Yeah, um, exactly. And uh, also for the 40s, there's one really key aspect that um, that happens in there, um, especially with uh, Mr. Potter, that, yeah, um, some ki- sometimes the bad guys, um, sometimes the villains, like, you can't do anything about it. They win. Um, all you can do is just be the best person that you can be, show kindness, do like do what you can, and you need to move on from that. Um, like, yeah, like you, you can fight it as much as you can, but like sometimes it's real life. 99% of the time, it's it's not going to work out the way that you do. Um, and uh, especially for like our generations, sometimes that's like a hard pill to swallow that mm-hmm. um, even though you can work so hard for something and want to get ahead in life yeah um sometimes that's not going to happen and you need to accept that uh also looking back at like the depression aspect um you like you see a man silently going through depression whereas like yeah like he could look happy but yeah it can like any anything can uh push you over the edge but with that being said like to anybody uh, listening like the character of George Bailey, you might not know it. Um, your life has a purpose. Um, and it took a little bit for George to see that um, until he was with uh, his buddy Clarence. Yeah, no, definitely. What are like some, what are some aspects of this that may not be necessarily as deep, but are just like fun that you like get a, you get a massive chuckle or smile or warm feeling out of like, what are some highlights of this that have just made you continue to fall in love with It's a Wonderful Life? It's one of the only movies that in like the first five seconds after the credits, like I start crying because (laughs) like, because you don't see anybody. You just see the outside of people's homes, like praying for George. And um, there's one guy, he just prays. He's like, he's like, give him a break, God. And I'm like, yeah, like he's talking to God, like, like a person. And and it's it's great it's incredibly relatable and then it just moves me to tears but just like the set dressing i think is incredible like there's an overwhelming sense of like a family christmas um especially at the very end with um with his kids playing piano uh and the wife uh doing the tree and all of his friends coming over it's it's a great like overwhelming sense of christmas and i think a lot of people during the holidays uh try to seek that and and why not do that with this yeah no it is it is definitely really feel good um it's like a warm blanket of a movie that's a term i've been stealing a lot lately due to my friends over at the movie mixtape podcast Mm -hmm. um but it, it does just envelop you in kind of the warmth of a story about finding your purpose and realizing that even if you don't see yourself as significant you are truly significant um and it's funny frankie my fiance who doesn't like to watch movies with me all that often saw that i was watching it was like oh you're watching it's a wonderful life and sat down immediately (laughs) because i think this might have been a staple for her growing up and it's just one of those movies that everybody can find something to love in i think no yeah definitely 100 percent um it's like full of iconic moments and uh, just iconic characters and any, I think anybody can relate to it. And 
Like, even if you haven't seen it fully, I think everybody knows of It's a Wonderful Life. And it's one of those movies that um, I kind of call it um, like, you know, you would do like the dad TV move where you like they would like flip on a movie. It's like, oh, wow, like this is like I love this movie. It's 40 minutes in. OK, perfect. And then they just watch the rest yeah. of it. Yeah. They, yeah. This is definitely one of those movies you can do. Yeah. Um, you touched a little bit on this briefly, but, um, I was wondering, is this one of those movies for you where somebody's like, I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life. You're like, oh my gosh, gotta watch it right now. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely would. It's definitely where there's definitely a list of classics out there where like any avid, like movie lover would be like, how have you not seen this movie? Um, would definitely like rush them like to a laptop theater, whatever to go watch this. Yeah. This is, yep. this is definitely one of those classics. Have you done that with anyone? Maybe your girlfriend? Uh, let me see. Ah, uh, shockingly. No, because thank God everybody I've talked to is like, Oh yeah, I've seen it. I'm like, I'm, I'm hopefully, hopefully you're not lying to me, but yeah. No, it does. It's probably on TV during somebody's life at one point. I do oh, have yeah. to admit though, when we were talking about doing this episode, I said, oh, yeah, I've seen that in passing on cable or something. Come to realize uh, about five, ten minutes into it, I've never seen this movie. So I really appreciate you bringing it to me because it was Thank a joy. You. And huh. uh, what I had watched on cable in passing was Blue Christmas, which is a very different film. I, I've i never heard of Blue Christmas. so it is, a, it is a Bing Crosby vehicle. All right. Yeah, take a look at that. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Crosby. Uh, okay, Blue Christmas. What the heck? What the heck is this? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's this is this is very interesting. Um, I'm gonna say no, <laughs> but uh, but maybe but maybe some other time. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Yeah. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catch me on another podcast. I'll watch that. Okay. Um. So. Uh, as we're kind of like closing the discussion on It's a Wonderful Life, we have that yeah. all-important question for you. What was your favorite part? Mm, I've got, let me see, i got a few. One of them it I already talked about. That's perfectly fine. It'd be a first <laughs> for the podcast, but you can definitely pick more than one. Uh, okay, uh, let me see. I've got a few. One of them I already talked about is like the very beginning where everybody's praying for um, George to be watched over and I think it's a very like it's a very like euphoric feeling to watch that it gets it gets me teared up every time and second I think my favorite one it happens twice so I think I like it the second time where um where it's just George and he's in the office with um, Mr. Potter and Mr. Potter like he thinks like he has George of like, hey, like, what if I offer you, pretty much, what if I offer you all this money and I take over the building and loan and, you know, you get to travel with your family, et cetera. Like, he starts smoking a cigar and then he's like, okay, like, let me talk about it with my family. Immediately stops. He's like, wait, no, I don't need to do that. And then immediately tells off Potter and that, and without a whole lot of words, you can tell, um, you can tell Mr. Potter is infuriated and, like that's just that's just put upon like by um the late great actor uh, I think it was uh Lionel uh Lionel Barrymore I believe that was him and um 
and yeah he yeah he was uh he was phenomenal on that so i i think definitely that's my favorite part how about the building and loan oh confounded man are you afraid of success i'm offering you a three years contract at twenty thousand dollars a year starting today is it a deal or isn't it well mr potter i i i know i ought to jump at the chance but i i just uh I wonder if it would be possible for you to give me 24 hours to think it over. Sure, sure, sure. You go on home and talk about it to your wife. I'd like to do that. Yeah, then in the meantime, I'll draw up the papers. All right, sir. Okay, George. Okay, Mr. Potter. No, 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 wait a minute here. Wait a minute. I don't need 24 hours. I, I don't have to talk to anybody. I know right now. And the answer is no, no. Doggone it. You sit around here and you spin your little webs and you think the whole world revolves around you and your money. Well, it doesn't, Mr. Potter. In the, in the whole vast configuration of things, I'd say you were nothing but a scurvy little spider. You, you... And that goes for you, too. for you too awesome no thank you for sharing uh it is lionel barrymore Woo! okay good job good memory serves you right yeah it's not like i have wikipedia right next to me so yeah (laughs) (laughs) um well that's it's a wonderful life folks um i hope you enjoyed our discussion about that thank you so much for being here for our holiday bonus um, before we head on out, Ryan, tell the fine folks where they can find you. Are you on Letterboxd? You got any socials you want to plug? Yeah, for sure. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at uh, R underscore Healy 113. Uh, if you're a Pixar fan, then you know what 113 is. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, catch me on Letterboxd. Um, and that's going to be Healy, H-E-A-L-Y-R-24. Yeah, everybody go find Ryan on Letterboxd. His one-line reviews are always very funny. I, <laughs> I always get a good chuckle out of me. You can also find me on Letterboxd. Uh, I'm at Ian Layden, I-A-N-L-A-Y-D-E-N. Thanks so much, Ryan, for doing this. I hope you have a great holiday, and uh, I'll catch you later, okay? Thanks, bud. Yeah, I had a great time. All right, see ya. See ya. That's right. That's right. Thank you once again to Ryan for joining me, and thank you to you for listening. A friendly reminder that What Was Your Favorite Part will be taking a short break and will return in the new year with Peter Bogdanovich's The Last Picture Show. What Was Your Favorite Part is written, edited, and produced by me, Ian. Until next time, be well and watch movies. Happy holidays and a very happy new year. Happy holidays.